3: you're about to hear a tragic story with a very sad ending. So we are giving those who may be easily triggered by emotional content and those under 18 a heads up that there will be mention of suicide in this episode. But we must tell this story in its entirety, as the events that happened in the Ferrier household in St. Paulo, Brazil, might just be one of the most violent episodes of poltergeist phenomena ever recorded. The activity that is described in this week's episode is thought to have been created by a poltergeist, even possibly some sort of bizarre revenge from the grave by a restless spirit. Whatever the
2: cause, this story ends with the worst possible outcome. Poltergeist cases can be highly addictive to listen to as we hear about the battle between dark and light, good and evil. We need to remember that there is always the mental health of a family that is in the midst of such an attack and that these stories always have something to teach us. Poltergeist cases do not follow a pattern. They are as individual as the person who is under attack. Hi, my name
3: is Renata. And I'm Anne. And we invite you to join us in the following story, Such Poltergeist Case in Brazil, and see what we can learn from this episode of The True Hauntings Podcast.
4: Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the centre of various unexplained phenomena, and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings.
2: Welcome back to the studio, Anne. Hi, Renata. How are you doing this week? I'm fine. Absolutely fine. It's been a bit chilly, right, in the middle of, um, yes, the
3: midwinter. Yes, we're uh, around the solstice time at the moment, so Mm -hmm. uh, happy winter solstice, happy summer solstice, Mm -hmm. depending on where you are in the world. Now, we do have some special guests in the studio today, don't we? Yes, we do. They're being very well-behaved guests. Oh, yes. yes the,
2: the furry babies.
3: <laughs> yes, we've got the fur babies in the studio with us today because the renovations continue next door and they've now taken down my side fence so I'm keeping the puppies safely inside the studio with us. they Koo and Max, they're, they're very cute. They're on a big dog bed, which is almost as big as my bed. I love that
2: bed. I wouldn't mind going and um, yeah, curling up on that as well. Oh, it's
3: got these rolled edges that oh. go and you can snuggle right down. I've tried it, I must admit. <laughs> I, I have given it a crack. And now if I say to Roman, you're in the dog house, you've got to sleep in the dog's bed. He's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's comfy in there. Mm. <laughs> but what's been happening this week?
2: Oh, we've been busy. Uh, we had some great tours on the weekend. We did Tomago House and Grosman House, which are two favourites. But I, I just can't get over how quickly the tours are selling out at the moment. We can't put them up
3: quick enough. We've we've got FOMO happening. You, oh. you put one up last night and it sold out in under 30 minutes. Yes. Yes, that's, that's crazy. I know. So thank you for all those people who are following and supporting. And did and... you miss us? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try and get some more tours up. But we've got to find that balance between doing our um, online life and our real world life. Yes, yeah.
2: that's a bit hard at the moment. <laughs> what is
3: this world? Word balance. Oh, notice I haven't put um, home life into there. All I'm talking <laughs> well, about is our work, work life. <laughs> yes, that's it. It's work.
2: But Unfortunately, very fortunately,
3: it is work that we are so passionate about. Oh, I love it. We've actually just come off an interview with our gorgeous. Gorgeous Patrick from the Big Seance podcast. And he was one of the people who inspired us to do our own podcast. And in the style that we do it, because Patrick's not afraid to have a laugh when he's doing his podcast. So please check out the Big Seance by Patrick Keller. He is just the most divine human being on this planet.
2: He is such a beautiful soul and so giving. And yeah, he was one, as you said, he was one of the people that um, would have, or inspired us to give it a, a good go, give it a crack and, and see... What we can do. Yeah. So we thank you, Patrick.
3: And also for our grand bar Patreon supporters, you will be pleased to know there are a few outtakes from this one. So you will be getting those posted when this episode comes out. Oh, Uh, dear. It's
2: it's interesting how it's always the, the first few paragraphs that seem to be the hardest before we get into the swing of things. And if we
3: get too far into the giggles... I have to send Renata out of the room so I can read mine out because I just can't. I can't while she's sitting there. Louise's start or I look at her and I start laughing. Mm. Oh, so much joy. That's right. But we've got a trip to Queensland coming up next week, which we're looking forward to. Yes. And then we're going to plan an overnight stay in a haunted location. If you want to follow these sorts of things, we do some lives on YouTube, so make sure you're following us on YouTube, Anne and Renata. I think it's still Ghost Grannies, but it'll be frightfully good before much longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, you can watch us live and then watch the episodes as they go up as well.
2: Absolutely. But we have a fantastic uh, topic for this episode. It's another poltergeist case. Oh, and I is. have to tell you that the poltergeist cases that we cover are some of my most favourite. Favourites? Because I love to delve more deeply and find out what's really happening.
3: I love the possession cases too. I love
2: them. And it's a horrible thing to say. And as we mentioned, because uh, in all of these cases, you you are dealing with real people who are going through these real terrifying traumas Uh, and it is something that we kind of treat very respectfully but yet we're so intrigued by them Mm. that uh, it it just makes us want to really find out what the truth is
3: yeah let's get into it let's get into it In every case of person-directed poltergeist activity where I have been able to study the family background, there has been evidence that somebody in the house could be the target of revenge from a spirit. It may be a former lover who committed suicide, a jealous relation, a spiteful neighbour, or even a member of the same family bearing some trivial grudge... Any Brazilian is well aware that this country is full of backyard black magic centres where people use spirit forces for evil purposes. You can use a knife to cut bread or to cut a man's throat. And so it is with the hidden powers of man. They can be turned to good or bad ends, though they remain the same powers. To produce a successful poltergeist, all you need is a group of bad spirits prepared to do your work for you for a suitable reward and a susceptible victim who is insufficiently developed spiritually to be able to resist. Black magic is a really serious social problem in Brazil and we must find reliable ways of getting rid of it.
2: Okay, so this is, again, one of those interesting poltergeist cases that I love to do. I think we could just do a true hauntings just on poltergeists.
3: I <laughs> don't know if they're I didn't uh, realise there <laughs> were so many around the world because you said, oh, we haven't done one for a while, let's do one. And even Patrick said he thought that morning we hadn't done one for a while <laughs> and he didn't even know that we were going to do a poltergeist <laughs> case. So, um, yeah, I, I typed in polter- real poltergeist case, and all these ones came up and when I spotted the Brazil one. I went, hello?
2: Mm. Uh, we need to work our way through all of them, and Yes, please, we do. We do. Please let us know if you would like more poltergeist cases oh. on
3: True Hauntings. Now, uh, Send see, us a message. It's also the possession cases because it's all to do with the human psych. Yes. And that's what I love about it, the human element. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I love that too. And we find that as we do these stories, there's, there are certain things that keep on coming up. Yes. Every time. We're finding that. Sort of Yeah, that are very, very interesting especially to do with the exorcism. Yes. Mm. Let's not go there too early. No, no, you let's don't come pink. too soon. Let's you know what? how bad it is if you come too soon. Oh, no, <laughs> it's
3: just not good. No. You, no, it's lose. like it's all done and dusted. Know, let's just finish up. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> let's go have a cup of tea now. <laughs> no. oh, I thought it was a
3: cigarette. No. Oh, okay.
2: Let's, let's start with the story. So that's that's my bit. So okay. let, me, let me go into this. All let right. me go into this. So this all started in December 1965 in the farrier household and everyone in that whole household became uh, or found themselves under attack by bricks that were coming in through windows and doors in this tiny little home that the whole family lived in and when we talk about poltergeist cases often it is a slow Escalation. Escalation. Whereas this one was very different because there seemed to be nothing and then all of a sudden you're getting bricks flying through windows, breaking windows, coming in, breaking things within the house and uh, just causing extreme havoc. And the thing about it was that some of these flying objects seemed to be heading towards people and trying to hurt them, which is, again, something that doesn't normally happen yeah. in
3: poltergeist cases. That was something I discovered, too, through my notes, is that normally poltergeists don't harm people. Mm. Or their activities don't generally harm people, but these seem to be aiming for people. Aiming
2: for people, exactly. And the ferriers were, uh, and, and this is uh, all in happening all in Brazil, in a little place called yeah. Jab- now we practiced. Come on.
3: <laughs> Jabuch Kabal. No, that was not how it was. Yes, it was Jabuch Kabal. Okay, Jabuch Kabal it is. It's Jabuch Kabal oh, yes, it yes. I've written it as Jabuch Kabal. <laughs> Same thing. I thought it was Jabotical. Jabotical something, I don't no. know.
2: Jabuch Kabal. Yep. And uh, the, the uh, community there is very, very religious. But also. Oh, hang on, what sort of religious? Catholic, Catholic religious, yeah. but let's put a, a slash point there and go very superstitious as oh, well. Oh hell yeah! So they they play both sides of the coin mm-hmm. at the same time. Reminds me a little bit of got, Ireland, actually, mm. where they
3: they'll all wear the banner of Christianity and but still have their little pagan things that they they will not do in case they upset the gods. Oh totally, love <laughs> it, love it, totally. Love totally.
2: It. So the fairies became convinced, probably after talking to a number of people in their community, that they were under some sort of dark or demonic attack. Yes. And of course, once you fixate upon that, that rarely just ramps everything up. So, of course, the next thing they do, uh, as any devout Catholic family would in such a situation, is they would go to their local priest, who was a friend, and he was a friend of many people in the community, um, and he was very, very trusted, and they asked him what could be done to help them. Extricate themselves from this evil that seemed to be following them. Curse out the demon.
3: Yes. Curse out. Cast
2: out. Cast out the demon.
3: Words are hard today. Mm.
2: Now, the local priest thought about it a lot. Um, He came in and discussed it with the family at length. He sat down and, and they told him what had been happening, and he assessed it and thought, well, probably the best thing that I could do was some sort of exorcism or cleansing. All right? Now, little did they know what this was going to actually do.
3: <laughs> or unleash. Or unleash. <laughs>
2: Which we find in most stories Mm -hmm. that after an exorcism, it just gets worse, not better. Yeah. yeah, But anyway.
3: In these sorts of the poltergeist cases, yes.
2: Yep. Now, uh, he did, before he... thought this as a good thing to do. He did sit in with the family long enough to experience some things for himself and he did see flying bricks. Um, He did see things moving around in the kitchen Um, and he also heard moans and groans and taps within the building Itself, mm-hmm. uh, and he. It's not clear from the information that I have whether he actually just did a cleansing on the house or whether he decided to do an exorcism. I don't have those details. Yeah, we just know that some sort of a ritual uh, happened.
3: Yeah, most of the reading I did said it was an. They called it an exorcism, but I mean, some people might just look at somebody blessing in the house and saying, "Well, you're getting rid of the bad spirits," so that's an exorcism. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, mm, he, did, uh, 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 he spent an afternoon doing lots of prayers, all of that sort of stuff, um, whatever the exorcism that he did or cleansing looked like was done, and silence and quiet ensued for a day or two. Now, the thing here was that the family was relieved. Nothing was happening. Their belief in God, you know, actually became even stronger. But after a few days, it all came back with a vengeance. And so this really perplexed them. And it also perplexed the police because the police, the priest, the priest, because this was God's words being said. How could it not be working? yes. Why was this... Oh, don't question. Why was this not working? So the priest took it upon himself that he just wasn't strong enough in what he was doing. And so he went on the lookout for somebody else Mm -hmm. that might be a little bit stronger, but also reached out... To the other side, (gasps) to the Spiritists. What? To the the Protestants? No. (laughs) No. The Spiritists. All the Spiritists. The Spiritists.
3: People did get this confused. Some people call them spiritualists, but it's not spiritualists. That's very different to Spiritists. Yes. Because that's the uh, Kardec. Alan Kardec belief. And there's a great movie on one of the streaming things about Alan Kardec. Yes. So I really advise watching that if you get the chance. Yeah. And so a spiritist is someone who believes
2: that they can speak to the dead, but isn't actually associated with any religious belief. Spiritualism is a religious belief. Yes. It's a religious belief system. And
3: they have prayers and, and rituals and things that they do within that system. Yep. So you, you can so, actually be a spiritist and not believe in God, but spiritualists, I think, believe in God. I think. Yes. i I'm, 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 yes. Yeah. I think that's how yep. it works.
2: Yeah. Um, now this area of Brazil uh, and most. Of South America is very, very religious. Uh, and so there are also many mediums and psychics that uh, will offer their assistance to people who require uh, that type of help. But it seems to be something that is done as an additive or uh, when all else fails. And so they did find a spiritist by the name of uh, Joao Volpi who not only was the spiritist, but the local dentist. I <laughs> should do. I should do. And uh, the family contacted him, and he immediately came over to see what was happening with the family and to talk to them about whether uh, he thought it was some sort of demonic activity or whether something else was happening. He wanted to reach out to this spirit and mm-hmm. ask him mm-hmm. or her or it what it wanted from the family. So when Volpe arrived, he calmed everyone down which was a fabulous thing to do to begin Mm -hmm. with he tried to calm everyone down and assured him I could just see him going and say calm the farm people (laughs) just calm your asses down he assured them that this was not the work of a poltergeist so he was kind of taking a real new agey Parapsychological view. Mm, Which you wouldn't expect, would you, in the mid 60s? Absolutely. And he said that it is probably a member of the family who is suffering from some sort of anxiety, stress, (gasps) or pent up frustrations. I love this person. My goodness. Wow. So he Volpe convinced the family that it was probably young 11-year-old Maria Jose who was the cause of all of this and that she actually might be a natural medium Mm -hmm. and she has the power to actually bring these spirits forth. But because of her young age and lack of training, training, she had no way of... Holding these powers together, of of creating a, the calmness, um, and it just it was a loose cannon. She was yep. a loose cannon, so he thought if she if he could get her
3: right, if he could get her under control, then everything would be okay. I just had this vision of describing what what she was. You know, when you get a fire hose and you turn the water on full, and it just whizzes all over the place. Yeah. There's water going everywhere, and nobody can grab hold of it or control it. Yep. Yep. That's what she was—a powerful medium who was squirting water everywhere. <laughs> In, a way. In a way. In a way. I'm trying to give some sort Paul of, Maria. what do you call those things where you give someone a picture? Um, oh, a visual. A visual sort of thing. That's not the word, but you know, mm. you guys know what the word is. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> now, he uh, actually got the family to agree um, to for him to take Maria Jose with him to his Compound or to his home
3: analogy. So yeah, go on, keep going. Uh,
2: which um, that kind of surprised me because yeah, you kind of went, "Oh, would you do that? She's 11, eleven years old, and would you allow that to happen without a um, a protege? Not a protege. A, a, um, <laughs> oh God, our words are a, bad today. A, 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 someone who was a chaperone. A chaperone. <laughs> yeah, a chaperone. Would you allow? Well, he's a local dentist. He's I mean, you know what? What
3: can he do? But. Well, have you seen some of the cases on the the news of what dentists have done when they've put women underneath? Oh um, well, yes. Yeah. So so not not all dentists just mm. just one or two I, bad
2: eggs. I just I thought that was weird yeah. that they allowed him to do that, but I guess they were living through their own trauma mm. and they thought oh anything just for this to stop.
3: I've got a load of information yeah. on what went down at the house too. Mm.
2: Okay, I'm not going to go there. So no. I'm just going You're gonna to leave me something to yeah, talk about. Yeah, I'm just going to go. Just just across, touch, across touch the, whole the thing. points, Renata. Oh, I'm touching them.
3: I'm touching them. Oh, you touch them so, so well.
2: So Volpi even was more convinced that it was all a Maria Jose uh, when he be, when he was able to sit down and talk to her without the family being there. Mm-hmm. And she revealed to him that she had had a lot of invisible friends mm-hmm. As she was uh, even a little, little girl And they would do nice things for her Yeah. So they, if she wanted sweets They would provide sweets and drop them at her uh, her uh, feet There was one instance where she even said Oh, she went past the shop and said Oh, there's a beautiful little pendant in there I would love that little Oh, it was a brooch A brooch I would love that little brooch And then lo and behold it appeared at her feet Feet. Yep. Uh, and Volpe actually saw that happen, so he kind of thought, "Well, look,
3: he's on the right path." Yeah, I, I'll,
2: I will try and deal with her and talk her through it and help her understand what's going on and help her take um, uh, control of her powers and everything. And he kept her there for about a year, in which time. At home, everything was peaceful. Nothing was happening in the family home. And that seemed to even prove a point even deeper that it must be Maria. Yeah. It's got to be Maria. Now. Poor Maria. Yeah.
3: What are we going to do about Maria? Sorry, I just had to throw that in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Renata, I think I just want to say I've said now a lot. No, 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 no. Some of them may have heard the little because that her phone's on buzz. But she, I was looking around to see where the buzzing was coming from. So, what has she done with it? She's grabbed it and whacked it between her legs (laughs) so that we can't hear it. So, now if she starts giggling, going, Oh, you know why? (laughs) Uh, um,
2: So, Volpe kind of dug deeper through all of this all of this and wanted to see whether Maria Jose was actually happier away from her parents and that possibly it's her parents that are causing all of the stress.
3: Which is a logical sort
2: of progression. Mm, yeah. Because she quieted down while she was away. Yep. So maybe there was something in the home or the home life that was making uh, Maria uh, trigger. Yeah. And of course, when she went back to the house, guess what happened? Oh, voila! Everything started again. Yeah. And there were larger stones flying in. And he actually counted 312 stones wow. that came through the windows and the doors. What
3: is it with stones and poltergeists? Because we've know. found them a lot. Yes. It's a very old sort other of cases. poltergeist activity. Yeah. Other cases as well when I was trying to find one for this story. Mm-hmm. And um, I was so surprised. Yeah.
2: So he ended up giving up and saying, look, I can't deal with this. I can't um, make this any better. And I'm going to have to look for a more skilled and stronger medium to be able to assist Maria Mm -hmm. uh, and work out what is really going on. So he went out for the search. And he actually did find someone who was a well, very well-known medium in Brazil who was ready to take on the case, uh, and his name was Chico Xavier. Mm, I he love was it. A Chico, Spanish Chico Xavier. medium. Now, prior to that, um, another thing happened oh, to happened? Maria Jose, which made things even. More stressful. Mm-hmm. And that was that she was sitting at school eating her lunch one day and her clothes caught on fire.
3: Yeah. Which is like, oh, my God. Can you imagine being at school and seeing that happen? Yeah. And then there was another story
2: where uh, Volpe was uh, actually in the bathroom and the house caught on fire. Mm-hmm. And he got s- severely burnt. Yeah. So that was another reason why he said, no more. I can't do this. Yeah, I can't take this. This is
3: now starting to affect my family.
2: Yeah. So um, there was a spirit centre in Nubra, uh, Brazil, and this is where Chico Xavier was. And so the family took Maria Jose to Chico, in Ubra, Brazil. Yeah. Say
3: that again. I love it. Chico, Chico. Chico? You, you guys can't see the shoulder movement that's Chico? going with it. I'm waiting for her to put on the uh, the what do they call it, the fruit basket on your head and start doing the Brazilian dances. Mm. So they took her to the
2: sanctuary. Uh, And left her there with him. And what he wanted to do was he wanted to see whether he could contact the the spirit, the poltergeist that was possessing Maria. Mm -hmm. And so he sat down and he did a number of uh, sessions with her and he found out, allegedly, that in a past life she had been a witch Mm -hmm. who had practised black magic, which Mm -hmm. fits perfectly into the theme of um, the beliefs of the Brazilian people in the community and around the community where she lived yeah. and that she practiced black magic, which meant that um, because of her, many people died. And so one of these people who had passed over at the hands of this witch was now back to torment her and to deliver upon her the same sort of suffering that he had suffered at her hands. Yeah, seeking revenge. Seeking revenge. So he also spent many hours uh, and actually tried to exercise this spirit out so of. So she's
3: about 12 or 13 yep, by now. Maria
2: Jose, yep. Uh, and apparently it went okay. Everything was fine. Yep. So he did his Voila. job. Voila. She was about 15, 16 by this stage. And she went home again to live with the family. And the family said, yes, you know, she can come home now. She's free of these terrible spirits. But unfortunately, this didn't, didn't seem to last. Very long mm. the, the the feeling of peace didn't last very long because uh, within a very short period of time uh, Maria was actually found deceased in her bedroom um, and she had drunken a soda with some pesticide in it yeah uh, and poisoned herself yeah. now. It was concluded that it was suicide, but some people think that maybe she was led to do this by the spirit that still possessed her soul and that that spirit was not going to be finished with her until he had finished her life.
3: Yeah. So they wonder if this is an actual case where a spirit has taken the life of a human. Yes. Or was it suicide? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which either way, I mean, either way that can be looked at as the same thing. Yep. Yeah. So again, yes, very, very sad for this young, young, beautiful soul um, to have led in such a a short life, such a traumatic life. Yeah. But you now have some Ah, greater details. which I...
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite
3: So, Renata's given us a yes. nice outline of what's happened. Now, I, because these cases aren't like we research the history of the location, and then we present the case, it makes it a little bit more difficult to do. So, um, Renata's given us the outline. I'm going to dig a little deeper and tell you some more specifics mm-hmm. of the case and what went down. So, let's go down the rabbit hole. So, did you know that Guy Playfair was involved in this case? No, I did not. Oh. Well, he, he's very famous for being involved in the Enfield. Enfield yes. And has written many books. Yes. Well, uh, let me give you a little bit of background. So I like Guy. He I would, do too. He was very, very straightforward. Yeah. So in 1961, um, he had graduated from modern languages and was finding life in England rather boring difficult so to speak. And he saw an ad in the personal columns of the Times saying that they needed teachers in Rio de Janeiro. Oh. Uh, so uh, they were offering a £1,000 a year. Uh, so he applied for it immediately. He got the job. He got a two-year contract. And then uh, at the end of that, he decided to stay in Rio as a freelance journalist. Uh, he was uh, he worked in, for The Times, uh, The Economist. And um, when president... President Nixon cut the foreign budget in 1971. Guy Playfair was offered a golden handshake, took it and as a result he was able to move into the comfortable house with a good view of the harbour. Now this information is coming from a book called Poltergeist by Colin Wilson and that is where the soundscape came from today.
2: Can I tell you I've, I've got a, a book or two of Colin Wilson's and they are fabulous.
3: Yes, I've got all of his yeah. now I think. There's The Occult and I've got another one sitting here on the desk called Mysteries.
2: Yeah, if, if you're a real big fan of Paranormal Investigation, buy yourself some Colin Wilson books.
3: Yeah. So uh, he got into the whole uh, Brazilian spiritist thing by one of his neighbours telling him about um, a healer. And they took him to a spiritus centre and they showed him um, the, the whole healing process. And they he watched them um, put their hands into someone's abdomen and fish oh, around with the fish yes, guts and yes, the blood and yes. everything coming oh. up. And he was going, how do they do that? So this is part of how he got into all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he went and saw a, a healer, a man called Edivaldo. Um, and that's where he sort of found out They Playfair had a healing done as well Mm -hmm. Uh, Edivaldo's hand went straight to the spot on his stomach that had been giving him trouble Um, pills were prescribed Prescribed is the word I'm trying to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Playfair was told to come back later for a little operation. So a few months later, he went back and got his operation. He went into the room and an old man was lying on the bed and that's where he saw him rip his stomach open and pull the entrails out. And <laughs> Playfair's going, oh, shoot, I'm going to go have this done now. <laughs> was- he was sloshing around in blood and it was a pretty gruesome sight. Um, and when he looked back again, it was all neat and tidy, being covered up with a bandage. Uh, so at that stage one of the helpers came over to Playfair and told him to lay down on the bed now I don't know about you but if I had just witnessed all of that I would have been out the door running yes uh they uh he unbuttoned his shirt Eduardo came over and ran his hand over his stomach then his hand seemed to find what they were looking for and he pressed Playfair felt a distinct plop and the hands entered his skin and went into his stomach. Oh, he felt this? He felt it. My <gasps> stomach immediately felt wet all over as if I were bleeding to death. I could feel a sort of trickling inside, but no pain at all. He seemed to smell ether. Then it was all over, and he was told he could get... Get up and go home. He felt curiously stiff, as if his middle had been anesthetized and unable to bend. Um, so he got home, um, took his shoes off, and on his stomach there was a jagged red line where Edivaldo had pressed his thumbs, and the two bright red dots nearby. Oh, isn't that fascinating? Wow. Yeah. So th- this is the culture. Uh that is here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in Brazil. Um, Then we head over to uh, some Spiritus sessions. So at these Spiritus sessions, they started to talk about the teachings of Kardec uh, and uh, Playfair was trying to get to as many of the uh, surgeries as he could see, try to attend many of the Spiritus sessions. He encountered someone called Hanani um uh, and rade sorry <laughs> just apologize now who's the founder of the IBPP? Do you know what the IBPP is? No. It's the Brazilian Institute for Psychobiophysical Research. Oh nice. To me that says the B I P P B R but you know we'll go with the IBPP. Um and it was when after he met this person that he decided to move from Rio de Janeiro to Sao Paulo. Uh-huh. Paulo, 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 um, which his friends thought was really weird because they they said it was like moving from you know the most beautiful place you could possibly go to to a very poor impoverished mm-hmm. um, location. Um, the the what they put here was uh, the Cornish Riviera to. Um, Detroit. <laughs> uh, so this Andrade offered Playfair full and unrestricted access to his files and uh, insights of 40 years of spiritism. Can you imagine being offered that? Oh, wow! Oh, oh, I would move. I'd be in there. I'd be digging through the files. So as a consequence of this, Playfair's interest uh, started to extend From Just the Psychic Healing to poltergeists, Mm -hmm. Reincarnation, Black Magic and Life After Death. Uh, Now, there was an interesting case that they had. And I'll just give you a little bit of information of this because it sort of links into Mm -hmm. the case that we're examining. Uh, And this is reading from the, the book here. At the time he heard about it in 1973, the case had been going on for about six years. The family consisted of a Portuguese mother who had been married to a Lithuanian immigrant and was now divorced. She had a son and daughter, both adults. There had been the unusual bangs and crashes. Clothing and bedding had caught fire or had been soaked with water. And as a result of these disturbances, the family had already moved houses three times. Wow! There also seemed to be some evidence of black magic involved. Photographs of a girl with thread stitched through it had been found in the house. The troubles had begun after the son of the family had married a girl called Nora. So they thought that, you know, Nora was involved in this um, poltergeist. So they're sort of claiming that poltergeists are created through black magic or ill intent. Mm -hmm. How fascinating is that? Now, he went to this house and tried to witness the phenomena himself. Uh, He sat up there for a few nights and nothing happened. But then on one night, he was uh, awoken to a series of bangs that shook the house. The poltergeist had arrived. Playfair was struck by the timing that it was as he was drifting off to sleep, and uh, that had happened to another case that he'd read of as well, because he was doing a lot of reading into it, that it was it seemed to happen when people were not paying attention to it mm-hmm. or were just drifting into that... It's almost a meditative or trance-like state. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he started to suspect that poltergeist had the uncanny sense of timing, which had suggested they're able to foretell the exact moment when the investigator or the people would be looking the other way. There was also something very odd about the, the bangs. They caused nothing to vibrate as bangs normally do, and they seemed to echo longer than they should. Now Kardec said in the medium book, Spirit sounds are usually of a peculiar character. They have an intensity and a character of their own and notwithstanding their great variety can hardly be mistaken, so that they are not easily confused with common noises such as the creaking of wood, the crackling of a fire, or the ticking of a clock. Spirit raps are clear and sharp, sometimes soft and light Mm -hmm. now I have had experiences as a paranormal investigator where playing the recorders back to listen for EVPs I have heard like a noise Mm -hmm. and then an EVP or something happened straight afterwards Mm -hmm. I wonder if these are these noises that they were talking about. I didn't hear it with my own ears at the time, but they are showing up in recordings. And the one time that I really truly felt I heard spirit wrappings um, when we had been practicing our seance and circle work for many, many months was it was so clear and loud that it freaked out the other two people that were sitting with us and they stopped everything. Like this is what we had been trying to achieve was this direct communication, spirit noises and wrappings and when it actually happened, they went into freak out. Yeah. Whereas the, the other investigator and myself are going, that's awesome, thank you so much. No, the other two have jumped up, turned on all the lights and said, no, not not doing this anymore. <laughs> what the hell? Now, I don't want to go too much more into this case, but there was one funny part that I—I I sort of was well, not funny, but it's—they—they um, they were sort of saying that there was you know, more things going on and um, bumps in the night, outbreaks of fire could happen, a wardrobe full of clothes caught on fire, um, and he said at this point the IBPP called in their poltergeist clearance team of mediums. <laughs> It sounds like the SWAT team. The, the, uh, yes, okay. Went into the cat, the house, sat in the kitchen, and asked their spirit guides to persuade the poltergeist to move. After that, there was silence for two weeks, then minor disturbances began again. And at that stage, the family then went back to their traditional African influence roots and they went to the, now, I'm not going to get this right, the candomblé specialist. Um, who brought in his team of helpers and told the family that this struck him as a particularly nasty case of black magic, rites were performed, incense burned, and at the end of it all, the poltergeist finally left the family in peace. So they fixed the poltergeist problem. What do
2: you think of that? So you've got to go back to the beliefs... The root core belief. ...of the family and deal with it that way. Yep. Isn't that interesting? It
3: is. Now, he then goes on to report another case uh, in a town near San Paulo, um, which a poltergeist made numerous attempts to burn a baby. One day, the baby disappeared, and the mother heard stuff and cries coming from the laundry basket and rushed to find the baby buried inside the dirty clothes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so, this is happening all around the area. But he wrote a book called The Indefinite Boundary and in this particular book, The Psy Underworld was a chapter and he devoted um, uh, all the, the this chapter to magic, malevolence and particularly the disturbing case of an 11-year-old Maria Jose Ferreria. Ah. Uh, now, I, I have ordered the book.
2: Oh, good. I was going to ask you that. Yeah,
3: it hasn't <laughs> arrived in time. Per usual, uh, but uh, I've, I don't Ooh. care. It's got to come into the collection, Ooh,
2: and we could do a catch-up episode at we some could. stage. So this is good.
3: Yeah. So they were talking about the violent poltergeist case. Um, pieces of brick, as you were saying. And uh, attempt to exercise or ex ex exorcise. exorcise.
2: <laughs> we attempt to yeah. exercise. It doesn't. Now, that doesn't work either.
3: Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> none of the above work. No. Um, but there was. Uh, A particularly large stone that fell from the ceiling split into two. Somebody picked it up and the two pieces snapped back together as if they were magnetically attracted. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Uh, And some of these uh, stones that fell were almost nine kilos. Yes. Yeah. Imagine the damage they would do. Uh, there was a neighbour who took the child into the house, um, but they also started to get bombarded by things. So I have some more specific information on some of the phenomena that happened. So I'll grab those notes. So there was an um, an incident with eggs. Did you know about the yes, incident with the eggs? Yes. The incident okay. With eggs. eggs were thrown about. And made to disappear. One day, a dozen eggs were placed inside the refrigerator. Three eggs suddenly appeared under a rooster in the backyard. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, Upon inspection, three eggs were found missing from the refrigerator, even though the door had not been opened. Now that's funny. That's actually a sense of humour to me, to Mm -hmm. put eggs underneath a rooster. You imagine the poor old rooster. He'd be going, what on earth is going on? Um, Stones continued to fall and fly about. Uh, There was one day the Volpairs, or whatever you call them, went to lunch with their neighbours. A stone fell from the ceiling and split in two on its way down, pieces flying in different directions, and that was the one that had the magnetic attraction. Um, But that dissipated over time. Mm -hmm. It didn't stay permanently Magnetic. um on another occasion a stone appeared tapped three people on the head and hit the floor so it's gone boink boink boink, boink. <laughs> the people said they felt as though they had been struck struck by a ball of compressed air so it doesn't sound like it hurt them um and that's where we're saying that it's unusual for poltergeists to actually strike anyone it's more like you you just happen to be in the road but this hitting three people mm. on the head is a very specific targeted thing mm-hmm. uh, then you mentioned the fact that the invisible playmates would bring things for her uh, now the phenomena at first was amusing and a, a happy nice thing but but the increased intensity and in violence started to distress them. Uh, in the Volpe, Volpe home, all the glass and crockery items were thrown about and smashed over a three-week period. Uh, Maria, I uh, don't know if it's Josie or Jose, uh, felt slapped, bruised, and bitten by invisible mm-hmm. entities. Mm-hmm. Objects were thrown at her, chairs, a large sofa and a gas cylinder. Pictures and a mirror were t- torn off the walls and thrown. Own. Interestingly, these attacks continued even when she was asleep. Mm-hmm. Cups and glasses would cover her mouth and nose.
2: Oh, I read about this. As if
3: they were trying to suffocate her. Yeah, isn't that terrible? You imagine waking up to that? I mean, it could be sleep paralysis. Is it sleep paralysis? That yeah, she's not, a, man- not, not with a cup over level. your nose. Not at this level. No. No, and. In this particular article I read, which was from the Occult World, um, said there may have been attempts at sexual violation. Mm -hmm. That was the only place I read that. So 40 days after the first brick throwing, the little girl was attacked with needles.
2: Yes, this is another thing I read. Yes. Yes,
3: which would appear deeply embedded in the flesh of her left heel. There was one time where there were 55 needles extracted at the same time.
2: poor little thing. And if
3: her heel was bandaged up, the bandages would be torn off. Now, there was actually another reported case of needles in the feet like this. It was in 1761. I know, right? Like 200 years before. Wow. Anyone have got my maths right. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Molly and Dobby Giles of the Lamb Inn in Bristol, England. I'm going to actually look that up and maybe do it on our uh-huh. Spooky Sundays or something like that because that that fascinated me that there was another case of that. But with these needles, there was apparently no um, insertion site. They mm-hmm. couldn't find where they'd been put in. They just are ported into her, uh, and that's that. Sounds like what was happening with the other things that were the sweets and things. There were reports. Our ports, or the brooch that has you know she's wanted it mm-hmm. is it the spirit world that's grabbing it and bring it out for her, or, or is, is it her? her um so the the violence escalated um and on March the 14th in 1966 so at this stage she must have been 12 her clothing began to smolder while she was eating her lunch at school now Knowing what kids are like, if they had heard that there was issues around her, could that have been a practical joke that somebody may have done to her? I don't know. Mm. I'm just, the logical brain's kicking in yeah, and I'm giving it a crack, you these, know.
2: These things tend to happen a lot. You hear uh, a lot about spontaneous fires in uh, India as well. When yes. It come. And they are deeply, devoutly um, a belief Country, country yeah. of of great beliefs, but they also have a a real base of this um, superstitious belief as well.
3: Yeah. Uh, so apparently, on that same day, uh, the Volpe's bedroom spontaneously burst into frames and uh, he was badly burned uh, when he grabbed a pillow that had been burning from the inside. Mm. From the inside. Mm. Uh, so they tried, as you said, for a year. Chico Xavier. Um, you yeah, didn't say
2: it right. It's Chico. Uh, Chico.
3: <laughs> Chico. Uh, announced that she was uh, a witch in a past life, rada, rada, rada. But this is all confirmation bias of his particular belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it works, if it's going to help them, then mm-hmm. you know it doesn't really matter where the belief comes from as long as it's helping. Um so she was treated with prayer and magnetic hand passes.
2: Yes. What's um, this magnetic hand I don't passes? No. Is it some sort of a, a healing process? Well,
3: it sounds like it. And from uh, the home circle of Volpe, Vol- uh-huh. Volpe. Um, and that's when the worst of the phenomena abated. But the, the Polkai still tossed around objects, especially fruit and vegetables.
2: Hmm. hmm. So it's gone from sofas and bricks to fruit and vegetables.
3: Yeah. right, now just let me check my notes. Now, according to my notes, she actually took her life at um, 13, but I did read elsewhere that it was 16. 16. Mm -hmm. So it's very confusing. Um, Did she live on for a few more years enduring this stuff and just not talking up about it as much because she didn't want such a fuss made over anymore? Because once you're hitting that age of 14, you don't want adults telling you what to do or anything like that. Maybe she suffered in silence. But uh, the question remains at the end. Uh, it says, he, when she was 13, she took a dose of ant killer in a soft drink and was found dead when they found her. It would be interesting to know whether Maria took the poison deliberately or whether the poltergeist placed it in there. And I'm going to add one more. What if it was placed in there by some people around her? Mm-hmm because they were sick of it as well and they may have looked at her as an evil being mm-hmm. because of it. She may have been murdered. Um, and I'm i I'm sort of trying to find some more thoughts and uh, information on it but I think Renata's basically covered uh, a lot of this but I wanted to finish off with this little um, story, the little paragraph here from the colin wilson poltergeist book it says if maria's unconscious aggressions were causing her clothes to catch on fire and bite marks to appear all over her body surely the despair that finally drove her to suicide would have reached through to the rebellious part of her mind and persuade her to stop it it simply fails to make sense to believe that Maria's own unconscious aggressions drove her to kill herself. Mm. I thought that was interesting because basically saying um, if it was a subconscious thing uh, and it wasn't a um, an entity that mm-hmm. was doing it, her subconscious would have rose up and stopped it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it was... Out of her control, and it was some sort of entity. Then that, to me, becomes a possession, not with with poltergeist phenomena attached to it. Mm-hmm. So, what is it? What is it with this case? Is she truly um, the agent? Mm-hmm. Has she been targeted and groomed by someone, um, and her subconscious is lashing out? Uh, Is it someone in the family or is it someone who tried to help her? What's going on in this case? Mm -hmm.
2: And that's really difficult because we know that, uh, and I know this is a a really touchy topic, so I'm I'm absolutely not um, any sort of a um, source of wisdom here, but... I know that the subconscious mind is trying to... It regulates our system. It does everything on automatic. And it would normally try and save us from situations that are harmful. Mm -hmm. So you would think that you've got this inbuilt system within you that says, um, I'm trying to save you from harm. I'm I'm not going to allow this to happen. But we know that this sort of stuff happens all the time. People do take their own lives. So what is that thing then that switches that automatic thing off and says, okay, you can do this now.
3: Yeah. Or, or is she a, uh, a teenager that mental health issues were emerging and she had PK ability? She had psychokinetic ability mm-hmm. to move things with her mind mm-hmm. uh, and it's a combination of the mental health issues with the psychokinetic ability mm. which then makes all of this happen and if if the voices in her head are telling her to harm herself or do things then maybe she's following that
2: yeah we know from what we've read that when she was given the opportunity to get better with Volpe it was working for a period of time she was still very young um
3: and to family just to give her away like that yes that is my biggest red flag right yes. there. They're happy to give their child away because they must have thought there was something really, really wrong. Or maybe they just thought, we can't help her. That's the best thing to do as a parent.
2: Yeah. And look, within a small community, everyone knows everyone. So, you know, maybe they were just feeling... okay. I'm just trying to find a reasoning for why they would do that um, and kind of go, look, we're going to give our daughter into your hands yeah. so that you can heal her they either believed in him a lot or he was yeah. a very trustworthy person yeah uh they were trying to do the best for her um but unless you can get really deeply into these particular cases and you know the it inside out we we can only kind of throw ideas at it yeah. we, we can't make a judgment call
3: here yeah and we we were not saying that uh, we believe there was any molestations or anything like that we we're only just throwing out ideas of what possibly could have triggered her behavior or the pk mm. lash because mm. that generally there is some sort of traumatic thing that happens that 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 creates this to happen So um, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I wish I'd got hold of Guy Playfair's book uh, a little earlier to be able to dig into that. But Colin Wilson's book was wonderful. The occult site was wonderful. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of True Hauntings. Now, are we going to say this is a true poltergeist thing? I'm going to say yes.
2: Yes, I'm going to say there is something really, really different about this one Mm. I can't wait to get more information I think maybe we will revisit this story in a
3: a further episode down the track yeah or we can do an update Mm -hmm. at one of the end of another episodes Uh, but we will keep you posted on when we get hold of the Guy Playfair book and work out what really happened with Maria but thank you for joining us in this week's episode of the True Hauntings Podcast. You know what to do, guys. If you've enjoyed this episode, it really helps us if you share it around with other people. If you can give us a review on the, the, the iTunes or wherever it is, I think Spotify, you can now leave a, a rating, which would just be so helpful to us and cost you not even a cent. If you want to get some of the outtakes and the extra stories and things, become a grand Pooh bar Patreon supporter and you'll get to chat with us face to face twice a week on some um, Zoom type calls and we do some readings and extra things in there for you and uh, we hope to see you all next time in the meantime stay spooky and we'll see you on the dark side. Bye
4: Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings if you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Ann and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com.